Hello and shalom. Welcome to this episode of Image Bearers Radio. I'm your host, Joe Amon. We got a great show ahead, so buckle up and hang on. Here we go. Hey, shalom, shalom, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Image Bearers Radio. I am your host, Joe Amon, pastor of Out of Ashes Ministry in DeRitter, Louisiana, and I hope you are doing extremely well. Hope that your week is going well and you had a wonderful Rosh Hashanah, Yom Truah, and are looking forward to Yom Kippur. By the time you hear this, uh, Yom Kippur may have already come and gone, and so if it ha- if it did, I hope that you had a meaningful Yom Kippur, whether you fasted or however it was your way of commemorating and celebrating. I pray that it was meaningful and that you are getting ready, getting geared up and uh, ready for Sukkot. Sukkot is just absolutely a few days away. And uh, so whether you're celebrating at home uh, with your own sukkah or whether you're getting together with a group, uh, whichever way you are celebrating, gosh, I just hope it's really meaningful that you have a great uh, Sukkot this year. So Hag Sukkot Sameach, let me say that uh, in the beginning so that I don't forget later. So uh, I, I hope you're doing well. I hope your week is going well. And then just during this time and during this season, I really hope that uh, the Father is moving in you in some really incredible ways and um, doing some really deep and meaningful and lasting things in your life. I want to just take a quick minute to thank everybody uh, for all the support and all the feedback on the show. And uh, thank you if you're here for the first time for stopping in and listening. Uh, We are on, I think, six days now on Hebrew Nation Online. And what an awesome opportunity. Just a special shout out to Rollin and all the folks that make uh, Hebrew Nation work. What an awesome platform and an awesome um, privilege for me and opportunity for you to hear some great teachers uh, from all around the spectrum. And it's so wonderful to get a, a well-rounded and uh, and to hear different views and to get well-rounded teaching, etc. Uh, and so thank you to those guys. Thank you to you for stopping by, uh, whether you're coming for the first time or coming back. Just want to say how much we appreciate it. And don't forget also um, that if you're hearing this live, that is awesome. Uh, and if uh, we also, uh, if you don't get it live, we also upload uh, the show to the archives on Hebrew Nation Online. Uh, as well as to our website, outofashesministries.org, in the podcast section. You can find these shows and pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. So whether that's iTunes, Google, um, all the different podcast, podcast, excuse me, I'm a little bit tongue-tied today, I'm sorry, podcast platforms, uh, wherever that might be, you can uh, reach out and get us there, subscribe to our, our podcast, and you'll not only get these uh, Image Bearers radio episodes, but you will also um, get an archive of our weekly Shabbat teachings 
which we edit uh, just the teaching portion out, and we upload the uh, audio uh, to our website. The videos go to YouTube, and all that comes together on our podcast and on our app. And so just any kind of way you uh, would like to, to get teachings from us, that would be really, really awesome. There's a lot of ways to do it. Uh, and so we appreciate it. We appreciate you guys being with us and forming this awesome community. God is up to some incredible things. And I'm excited to be a part of it and to be a part of it with you. So on today's episode, we are going to be talking about Yom Kippur. Again, Yom Kippur may have passed, but I think the things that we're going to talk about are not so much, um, you don't need to hear them before Yom Kippur, but we definitely need to hear them for uh, during Yom Kippur and after. So uh, strap in and uh, before we get going, let's go to the Father in prayer just for a moment. Avinu Malkinu, our Father and our King, we are so humbled that we get to be a part of your kingdom and your kingdom work. Our light, your light through us, stamping out the darkness. Father, make us better image bearers, light bearers, and citizens of your kingdom through Yeshua, our Messiah. So today, as I said, we are talking about Yom Kippur, uh, more technically Yom HaKippurim, uh, the Day of Atonement or the Day of Atonements, uh, because there are more than one atonement that happened uh, on the Day of Yom Kippur, and uh, what we'll get to later in the episode, that really there's more than one atonement that happens even still today. And so we want to focus on that, and we want to talk about uh, what, an aspect of Yom Kippur that I missed for a long, long time. And uh, and one that I have found so much joy and so much uh, amazement in. It's been astonishing uh, as I've celebrated the, the the feast cycle for, gosh, going on 15 years now. Um, it it would it would tend to we would tend to think that things kind of get uh, boring or they get uh, repetitious or they get routine. The more you do them, and yet as many of you will know, with Shabbat beginning with Shabbat. And especially, you know, then going on to the festivals, the feast cycle, uh, it's anything but uh, routine. It's anything but average and normal. And so uh, just really, really special time that we get to celebrate. So before we get into actually reading about Yom Kippur, we're going to be reading from Vayikra Leviticus 23, of course. Uh, but I want to read this quote from Mark Biltz, uh, pastor of Al Shaddai uh, Ministries in uh, Washington State. A quote that he makes that I love, and he says that the Day of Atonement was a gracious day in bold, underlined, highlighted, italicized, capitalized, a gracious day. Um, I know a lot of us think different ways about Yom Kippur, um, depending kind of on how it was taught to you maybe in in your past or maybe how you've learned about it recently, Uh, but I I love Pastor Mark's emphasis here that it was a gracious day. And he continues, the Day of Atonement was a gracious day each year when all the Israelites could experience a new beginning. This day foreshadows God's plan for the final disposition of sin and the creation of a new earth where righteousness dwells. 
Man, what a beautiful, beautiful quote. And, and I, I love this quote, and I read it every year at Yom Kippur because it's a, a great reminder that it's really important for us to position these festivals and position uh, Yom Kippur, uh, especially being the holiest day of the year, to position it correctly in our minds. It's, it's important for us to think about it uh, the, the right way. And I, I hate using the term right, quote unquote right, because there are multiple aspects of all of these, uh, these uh, hagim, these feast days, and these moedim, these appointed times. Um, there's so many different aspects and different levels to them that, you know, to say the right way, but a, a healthy way, um, a more uh, correct by Judaism standards and by biblical standards especially, which to me are one and the same, um, a, a more correct way, a more healthy way. So it's a gracious day. Uh, a great, it's not supposed to be and not intended to be. Yom Kippur is not intended to be a day of fear. It's not intended to be a day of anguish or doubting in the sense that um, we are worried about whether or not we're going to make it into the kingdom. Uh, this is not a heaven or hell type of day. Uh, this is not a saved or not saved type of day. Uh, and and uh, I have conversations with folks in our congregation and, and with people online all the time. And uh, one thing that constantly comes up uh, is that, you know, for, for many of us, myself included, uh, before really uh, coming and, and studying the Torah and studying um, you know Jewish tradition and studying Jewish understanding and and really just soaking ourselves in the Torah, um, before that in our relationships with God and our faith, many of us had the tendency to always be wondering about our salvation. Uh, and this may or may not be you. If it's not you, then Baruch Hashem. Uh, but if it is you, you can identify with, with what, what I'm talking about. This, this every day was almost like you, you almost had to get saved every day, right? You had to, you had to every Sunday or you know, whenever you went to, to fellowship or whatever, you had to come to the altar uh, to rededicate your life, uh, you know, for ask God back into your, ask Yeshua back into your heart. And it was, all, it was just always this, this, am I saved or not? Am I going to make it or not? I know that difference, uh, you know, everything we talk about on the show, it differs for different backgrounds and different denominations. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Like I said, Baruch Hashim for that. Praise God for that. But for, for many people, uh, salvation is a const, was a constant stress and a constant point of anxiety going like, man, if, you know, if Jesus comes back today, uh, you know, am I prayed up or am I, you know, am I washed in the blood or, you know, and all these different things. And so I'm having conversations with people, seems like on a weekly basis, where more and more people are just saying, like, I just don't even think about that anymore. And, and not in the sense that I'm not thankful. It's not that I don't, I don't think about my salvation. I'm not thankful. Right. And it's not that I don't think about my salvation and, and my deliverance and I'm not in awe. I mean, those things are absolutely true. But the fear and the anxiety and the wondering over whether I'm saved or not, just all that stuff has, is just fallen off of us. That stress, that anxiety and that pressure has just fallen off of us because we're so confident, not in, in, in well, let me just say it like this. We're confident in the faithfulness of God and we should be. Um, we should be confident in the faithfulness of God, so confident that we really don't even think about his faithfulness. We just know it's going to be there. We know he's going to be there. We know he's going to work, uh, you know, all of our stuff together. We know that he is going to only bring what's best for us. We know that. So we don't even, we don't even worry about it or, or, or think about it, consider it. And, and, but, but the other side of the, 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 the coin is that, we are confident or we are becoming more confident in our own faithfulness, 
And again, I know like depending on where you come from, that can sound like heresy, right? That can sound like almost blasphemy. Well, how dare you say that, you know, you can be confident in anything that you do. Uh, and listen, I grew up in the South. I live in the South. Some of you are not in the South. And, you, you know, if you didn't grow up down here, you might not understand our particular uh, Bible Belt fundamental tradition, which is great. Uh, but comes with some toxicity as well um, in that there's this overshadowing, uh, you know, understanding uh, that is baked into the way that we, that to our theology and the way that we serve God and think about God, that we are just absolutely wretched. And, and how dare you, uh, you know, how dare you give yourself any credit for anything good or positive, uh, you know, because it's all Yeshua in you. It's all the, the spirit in you. And I, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I get it. Um, but what we've created in that theology, in that way of thinking about things, is we've created a, a generation of believers, or several generations of believers, that believe that we're no good for anything and that we can't do anything right, and so why even try? And we've talked about this on the podcast before, on the on the show before. Why even try, right? Why even put forth the effort? Um, you know, just rely on Jesus and His sacrifice. And and uh, and and what I'm talking about is I'm not talking about not relying on the power of the Spirit. I'm not talking about not relying on the faithfulness and righteousness of Messiah. What I'm talking about is that we can be. It is not a sin for you to be confident in your faithfulness towards God. That's what the whole story is about, him calling us to faithfulness, him calling us to, to consistent discipleship and self-control, consistent love for him and for creation, for our neighbor, right? That's what the whole story is about. That's what the prophets were, were, were calling out to Israel for, to make teshuva over, to make repentance over, was to, to come back and be loyal, right? And so, having these conversations that, that salvation anxiety is just not there. And yet we're, we're, we're confident we're secure, I guess is the, is the better way to say it. We're secure in the father, in the father's patterns, in his cycles, in his times, in his word, in his love. And it's just a really awesome, awesome thing. So this day is not a salvation issue. This day is a, a yearly and annual inventory uh, where we talked about last week, the books are opened and everyone is coming to account for what God has entrusted with them or invested in them uh, in the year previous and so as to see what we are worthy of handling in the year to come, right? And, and so, and this is Yeshua, this is Yeshua all day long, right? To him as much is given, much is required. Uh, he was faithful with little, will be given much, right? I mean, this is just... All these things are are tied together, and this day of Yom Kippur is the day when it all really does come together. So uh, I want to start out. I I'm, I've want to get in the habit, and I've tried to get in the habit the last several years uh, of not reading about the feast days, uh, any of the Moedim, um, without first reading about the Shabbat, because the Shabbat is uh, preferential over all of the feast days. Uh, I know again in our in some of our traditions. Uh, you know, Sunday, 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 Sunday rolls around, you know, you know, whatever. There's other important stuff you can be doing on Sunday, but Christmas and Easter, you better be in church, right? And what tends to happen is we tend to carry that over into when we celebrate the, fest- the festival days and Shabbat is kind of like, well, I'll do it myself or, you know, whatever. I recognize it's Shabbat, even if I got other stuff to do. Uh, and yet on the festival days, oh, you better make sure. I mean, just, I love our OAM family and, and 
you know, this is no slight on, on us or anybody else that does this, but uh, there's a good chance that there are going to be more people here or in various congregations around the, the country uh, for celebrations like Pesach, for celebrations like Sukkot, for Rosh Hashanah, Yom, uh, Yom Kippur. There's going to be more people there than there are on a typical Shabbat. And, and it's just part of that thing that we, uh, that we have. And yet, in uh, Halakha, in, in Jewish Halakha, uh, the Shabbat, if there is a festival day that falls on a Shabbat, the rules of Shabbat override the festival uh, rules. And so I try to make it a, try to make it a habit not to, to read about uh, any of the festivals without reading about the Shabbat first. So here we go, Vayikra 23, uh, verse 1. And it says, Hashem spoke to Moshe, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, Hashem's appointed festivals you are to designate as holy convocations. These are my appointed festivals. For six days, labor may be done. The seventh day is a day of complete rest, a holy convocation. You shall not do any work. It is a Sabbath for Hashem in all your dwelling places. So that annual, uh, that weekly rather, seventh day cycle is, uh, is the priority and is the one that we uh, that we have to make sure that we are taking care of, and that we are taking care to 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 nurture and to to mold our lives around, right? That heartbeat, God's heartbeat in time. Uh, and then we come down and we read about uh, Yom Trua and Yom Kippur. So in chapter twenty-three, verse twenty-six, it says, "Hashem spoke to Moshe, saying, but on the tenth day of the seventh month, it is the day of atonement, Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur, or Yom Hakippurim." Uh, it is, uh, there shall be a holy convocation for you, Mikra Kodesh, and you shall afflict yourselves. You shall offer a fire offering to Hashem. You shall not do any work on this very day, for it is Yom Kippur, to provide you atonement before Hashem, your God. For any soul who will not be afflicted on this very day will be cut off from its people. And any soul who will not do any work on this very day, I will destroy that soul from among its people. You shall not do any work, it is an eternal decree throughout your generations in all your dwelling places. It is a day of complete rest for you, and you shall afflict yourselves on the ninth of the month in the evening. From evening to evening shall you rest on your rest day. So there is the commandment for Yom Kippur out of Leviticus chapter 23. And uh, what, uh, what we want to talk about today is more uh, is less on the observance and the you know the practice of Yom Kippur and more of an, an idea uh, that I that I want to kind of bring to you. So uh, there's a lot of controversy over affliction and what does that mean, et cetera, et cetera. And we know, like in Acts 27, uh, it, it, Paul is delayed on his trip because of the fast, quote unquote, the fast, and 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 Yom Kippur and this affliction has long been. Uh, has long been understood as a fast. So whether or whether or not you fast is completely up to you. Uh, if you have medical challenges, whatever, you know, please consult your doctor. Uh, if you're on medication, etc., or if you have some kind of ailment that that present, pre, uh, prevents you uh, from fasting, please, you know, be very very careful uh, and all. But that is the that is the traditional understanding. So. Uh, I want to go back in Leviticus, just a few chapters, uh, to Leviticus chapter 16, and I want to read there a section uh, that will start in verse uh, 33, I believe. Let's see, unless, uh, let's see. So this chapter 16 of Leviticus is, uh, is you know, is all about Yom Kippur. Uh, it's the Yom Kippur chapter, and I specifically want to read verse 33. So it walks through all of the service. 
And verse 33 is really, really important for our, con- uh, for our con- uh, conversation here. And it says, He shall bring atonement upon the holy of holies, and he shall bring atonement upon the tent of meeting, and the altar, and upon the Kohanim, and upon all the people of the congregation shall he bring atonement. This shall be to you an eternal decree to bring atonement upon the children of Israel for their sins once a year. And Aaron did as Hashem commanded Moshe. So I want to talk today about uh, the cleansing of sacred space. And if you watched our Shabbat fellowship, which I invite you to watch, we live stream every Saturday, every Shabbat at 10 a.m. Central Time. And uh, so I want to I want to kind of continue the conversation we had yesterday because uh, this has only happened a few times in my ministry in over 25 years. And uh, some of you who are teachers or, you know, who have taught or preachers, pastors, whatever, you will understand hopefully what I'm saying. But uh, there's sometimes when you're really prepared and you really have your notes down right and everything is uh, every, everything is really, you know, you know what you're going to say. You've been meditating on it all week. You feel like you have the word from God, etc. Uh, and there's other times where you, you do that. And then into your message sometimes or into your lesson, things just take a radically different turn. Uh, and you get what I call what my good friend, Jeff Morton calls a download. Um, you just start, you, you, you start making connections in your head while you're teaching that you hadn't made previously. And the Father starts to reveal things that, that you haven't thought of previously. And somehow you have to work these out in your head and then communicate them in a, in a split second, right? Because that is the word for the time, not what necessarily what you've prepared, right? I hope that makes sense. Uh, and so this is what happened to me yesterday. And I, I was kind of getting connections as I was teaching things that I'd never connected before. So I've had, had some time to kind of think about things. And so I would encourage you to go and watch or listen to, uh, it was posted this morning, our Shabbat teaching from this last Shabbat, uh, September 11th Shabbat. And I would encourage you to go and listen to it kind of in tandem with this, um, this podcast, this show, and I'll put a link to it in the description in the archive so that, uh, that you can reference it uh, more easily. But th- the reason why I kind of focused on the technical term instead of Yom Kippur and Yom HaKippurim, the Day of Atonements, is because we have a tendency to think about Yom Kippur is the day that we are forgiven our sins and our sins are wiped clean from our record and we can start fresh uh, the new year. And while that is, I believe, is absolutely true, and while I believe that is absolutely fundamentally a core of Yom Kippur, Leviticus 16.33 challenges me to think broader and deeper and wider about what the day of Yom Kippur was so that I can better understand what it is today, right? Um, And so just so I don't forget, let me just reference uh, Rico Cortez has a uh, fantastic teaching on the book of Hebrews being a Yom Kippur uh, letter, Basically, the, the theme and the heart of the book of Hebrews being, uh, being Yom Kippur. 
and I've heard bits and pieces, and what I've heard is phenomenal. Uh, and so I would encourage you to, to listen to that as well as you prepare and as you think about Yom Kippur. Even afterwards, uh, it's good to know because Yom Kippur is a launching pad for what's to come for the next year, the next days, weeks, and months. And if we don't understand what Yom Kippur is about, then we miss an opportunity to live out the fullness of Yom Kippur, the, the, what, we, what we gained or the, the attainment of Yom Kippur uh, in the next coming months and year. And that's really, really important. Because every year we're supposed to be growing, expanding, uh, deepening our roots, and and being and being able to shed God's light more and to to bear His image better. Right? That's what the whole point is. So um, it's important that we we understand what's going on so we can take advantage of what the benefits of Yom Kippur are. So. Um, we tend to think about it, as I said, as, as kind of my sins are forgiven, my sins are wiped clean. Um, and it tends to really be about us uh, because what isn't, right? <laughs> what isn't about us? We're the center of the universe. Everything revolves around us. Uh, God is a God of our own creation in, in a lot of ways. And so everything is about me. Everything is about us. And we tend to make Yom Kippur about that. But then when you read in, in Vayikra 16, 33, about Aaron makes atonement for the, the sanctuary and for the Ohel Moed, the tent of meeting, and for, then for the, you know, the altar, the Mizbeach, and then for the Kohanim, and then for the people. It should force us to say, well, what's really going on here? There's, there, there's not something different than what I thought. There's something more than what I thought. So this is what I really want to focus on in the second segment, broadening our understanding. So, hey, we're just about to come into the break. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Everybody. Hey, welcome back to the second segment in this episode of Image Bearers Radio. So, here we go. Leviticus 16.33 talks about atonement for the tabernacle, basically. The, com- the complete, you know, the, the tabernacle. Uh, and what is the tabernacle? The tabernacle is what we call generally sacred space. And what is the purpose of the tabernacle? Well, we're told the purpose in Exodus, where God says, I want you to build me a mishkan, a tabernacle, right? Vishakanti, that I may dwell, that I may dwell with you. The whole purpose of the mishkan uh, and, the, and later Beit HaMikdash, the, the holy temple, uh, they are indeed sacred. They are indeed very special and extremely important. And yet their purpose is, in my mind, uh, really twofold. Uh, number one, their purpose is to for a place for God to live here on earth. We've talked a lot in our Genesis discussions about be, it's sacred space being the place where heaven and earth meet, right? Where Hashem comes down to dwell uh, with with people uh, here on the earth, and the and the temple, the sacred space, the mountaintop, uh, all those different images we have in Tanakh are all those places where where this happens, where God meets man, where heaven meets earth, right? And so the, the first and foremost important part of the, the temple and the tabernacle is to provide that place where God can dwell, 
Right? That's the most, he says that himself. Build me a place so I can dwell with humanity. I can dwell in your midst, right? So God is holy. And, and Joe Good has taught me that we don't even understand what holiness, the fullness of what holiness really means. Uh, that comes through a lifelong pursuit and study of the, the temple. Because the second part of the temple is to teach us what these spiritual things actually look like. So, so much controversy always, right, over the third temple. Well, we're the temple. We don't need a third temple. And listen, th- this walk is full of, uh, and Christianity as a whole is full of false dichotomies, in my opinion. And I don't want to rant too long on this because I want to get to my point. But we have these false dichotomies like faith versus works. Well, if you read the scripture, faith and works are not supposed to be opposed to one another. They're supposed to work together. So why do we put division between them? Um, Yeshua, Yeshua is greater than the Torah. Okay. But why? And, and I don't have a disagreement with that. My point is that sounds like we're trying to divide Yeshua from the Torah. Like, oh, well, the Torah was less than, was bad, was whatever. And it just, it, 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 it almost seeks to in, re-invite in all those antinomian, anti-Torah um, feelings and understandings that most of us grew up with. No, it's Yeshua and the Torah. Um, the same carries through, carries in, follows through with this third temple, an actual temple versus us being the temple. And I think that's a false dichotomy. I think that's a, that's a, 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 conf- a conflict that doesn't need to be there. Um, because I believe that, that, uh, uh, the, the, in other words, why do you go to church? Why do you go, you go for fellowship, right? Well, the temple provides that. Uh, but you also go so that you can be taught how and you can see there's a reverence in Shabbat fellowship, you know, in your Shabbat con- congregations. There's a reverence in, in Sunday church to a point and that, that it is to teach us how to revere God, how to respect the holy things of God. And that's what the temple, that's, the, that's what another function of the temple is. It is to, to help us to see when the priests, when the Kohanim are conducting the services with precision and with humility and with holiness and righteousness, we get to see what living a holy life is in action. I hope that makes sense. It's a, it's a physical uh, rehearsal and representation of what should be in our hearts and lives. And I argue, I'll argue this till my, you know, till the day I die, that the, this was always the point. In other words, God never intended to go, hey, build me a tent, build me a tabernacle, and um, you, can, you can live however you want in the camp of Israel, um, and then you come to the tabernacle and get your sins forgiven, and then you can just go back and you know, live however you want. But you always have the tabernacle there as a way to get your sins forgiven. I, 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 don't, I don't think God you know, forgive us for teaching that or, or for alluding to that, because that's not the point. Um, th- that's not the point that, that God would just go, well, human depravity is what it is and, uh, I can't do anything about it, but I can just provide a way, uh, for them to be atoned for so that I don't kill them. Like, n- no, how insane does that sound? How toxic does that sound? Right. But the tabernacle stood as a, and, and the Kohenim and the services and the, the offerings and the, the, the whole, uh, culture that developed around the, the tabernacle and later the, the Holy Temple, uh, was there to be the the living example of how we are to live every single day. It's not one or the other. The temple should show us, this is, this is in my mind, why the prophecies in Jeremiah about his, his Torah being written on our hearts 
um, are so important. And then the book of Revelation saying that there, there will be no temple in the end um, because, because God himself will be here. We will, we will come to a place in our lives where we will love him and honor him and worship him out of our hearts. And we won't need the example of the temple because it will be in us. But until it is in us fully, which look around, I think we could all, all agree it's not, and that's not a negative. That's just where we are in the, the, whole, the whole cycle of things. Um, we need that example. We, we need to see it. So we, we run around and we, we, we claim and we, we puff our chests out about, well, we're the temple. We're the temple. And, and my question is always, well, do you study the, the temple that was actually there? Well, no. Well, how do you know how to be the temple then if you don't know anything about what the temple actually was? You could be being a pagan temple. You could be being a, a, a you know a, a temple with multiple gods. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, to be the temple, we don't know what if we don't study the holy temple. We don't know what uh, what the culture was like. We don't know what the services were like. We don't know what the the kedusha was, and all of these things that were so extremely important that were given to us to teach us. And so, um, I, th- that's my point, right? So, what is this about? making atonement. So God, the, the, the main purpose of the tabernacle and temple is so God would dwell with us. God is holy, right? And he, he, he let, me, let me kind of start to slay, butcher another sacred cow here. We say that God cannot dwell with sin. Well, I, I for one am pretty thankful that God came and met me when I was in, when I was a slave to my sin. So I don't think it's really accurate to say that God cannot live where sin is. God can live wherever he wants. And we have multiple examples throughout scripture where where God where God reaches down in the mire and in the in the in the depravity of humanity and pulls people out. So it's not that God can't be where sin is like oil and water. That's not a thing I don't think. Uh I was taught that it was. I don't think it is. But it's that that God deserves deserves not to be. So when we when He pulled Israel out, because our story is Israel's story. Remember, when He pulled Israel out, um, they were not a Torah keeping, you know, pure and holy nation. There was no priesthood. There was none, there was none of that. They were slaves, right? And so God calls them out as they are, but then He begins to teach them by dwelling amongst them what he deserves because he is king. He is king. And, and, and he will get you where you are, but then he expects you to learn. And this is a, this is a father-son, this is a parent-children story, right? We can forgive other people's children for not acting the way we raised our children. But our children know how they, were, how they are raised, right? And they know how, what we expect of them, and they know how we expect them, uh, them to, to, to act, right? And so we, we have to be very mindful that this story is a father-children story, right? The whole, the whole Tanakh is a father-children story. So really put that in place when we're thinking about these kinds of things, um, you know, a, a, a kid that, you know, maybe their parents don't make them take their shoes off when they come inside, right? And maybe they've been playing outside and their, their shoes are dusty and dirty or muddy or whatever, you know, and maybe they, they're over at your house visit, playing with your kids and they just come in and just walk across your clean floor. And your kids would not do that. They would not be expected to do that, 
right? Because you've taught them differently. And this is the relationship that Hashem wants to establish through Yom Kippur and through the, through the tabernacle. So since God deserves, he's king, and he deserves to live in a clean and holy place, that creates a big problem because the tabernacle is surrounded by and is visited constantly by, uh, by dirty people, right? The children of Israel, B'nai Israel, right? And, and we're, we tend to get dirty, right? We tend to become defiled. We tend to become tameh over time throughout, through just throughout life, right? Because life is corruptible, as Paul had said, right? This life is corruptible. And so all during the year when the Israelites come to the tabernacle, they come in with corruptibility. They come in with uncleanliness. The priests come in with uncleanliness and they wash and they, they, they cleanse themselves in order to serve. But over the year, the, the house gets dirty. The house gets contaminated. And this is not like muddy dirty, right? Uh, although they can be that. And that is very important. Uh, it, we, we overlook that and think, well, like, we, he, he didn't mean like physically dirty. Well, no, maybe, yeah, it really does <laughs> in some sense. It means physically dirty, like clean this place up. Um, and, and so we, the place gets dirty. And we, you know, once a year, there's this washing that happens. So Aaron is making atonement for the sins of Israel, for he's atoning for the tabernacle, the altar, like all these things we said. So the atonement, the forgiveness of sins, the atonement for sins, the covering, atonement, uh, kippur, kafar, the root word kafar, to cover, to wipe, right? This wiping down of the dirtiness, the sinfulness, the uncleanliness is in order for God to remain there. Again, not because he can't dwell where sin is, but because he deserves better because he's the king of the universe, okay? And so our sins on Yom Kippur, our sins are wiped clean. Our hearts are wiped clean, not only, and I believe, not fundamentally for the express purpose of us being able to be with God in, in a relationship or, at, or even worse, uh, as, as you know, many think about it maybe, is that our sins are forgiven so that we can make it to heaven and live with God. And I just think that's really, really narrow. And I think that's really, really, yeah, it's, it's too narrow, right? It, it's too narrow. Um, that is a part of the process. But it, 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 the, the Day of Atonement, was its primary function was to cleanse the tabernacle so that God would remain in their midst. That's super, super important. That's fundamental to understanding Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur was about cleansing the tabernacle, cleansing the altar, cleansing. And, and when it says he makes atonement for the Kohen and for the people, right, for all of B'nai Israel, what is he doing there? He's, he's, cleansing their, he's cleansing their part in making it dirty. He's making atonement for their participation, for, for what they did, for the sins that they had that dirtied the house. I hope, does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. He's, he's, so that the house can continue to function, so that the tabernacle can continue to function, right? So it's really important to understand this as we think about ourselves as the temple, right? If we think about ourselves corporately as the temple, which is the only way to think about it because I, just like I am not the image of God, man, that would be really arrogant, and you are not the image of God, I am not the temple. Now, Paul says our bodies 
our temple, right, of Ruach HaKodesh. Um, but we corporately, as the body of faith, are the temple. We in community are the temple. And that's really challenging. Just like we talked about last week, I think it was last week, that we corporately, or two weeks ago, we corporately are the image, the Tzalem Elohim, the image of God. That's really challenging because there's some people that are not doing their best. There's some people that are not doing their best to to stay clean, uh, to stay you know uh, humble, to stay in a in a right posture towards Hashem, and so for those that are, there's an imbalance, and so we have to deal with judgment and bitterness, and all, and we and we have to make sure that we're working together as much as we can. Man is going to try to divide us. The adversary is going to try to divide us. Our job is to stick together and work this thing out together. So when we think about ourselves as being the, the temple or the dwelling place of God, we, what we think is, well, the, the Spirit lives in me. Again, that's true, but it's too narrow. We have to broaden what, if we're going we're gonna to say we're the temple, then we have to look back at all the things that that entailed when there was a standing temple. Because that is Paul's reference point. That is Yeshua's reference point. They're not thinking of some ethereal idea of what a temple might be, they're thinking of what the temple was and what its mission was and what its function and its purpose was. And that was to house the presence of God and to show humanity how to live correctly before God with all holiness and with all humility and all love, right? So when we say that we are the temple, we've got to then start thinking about, well, the temple is sacred space. We are, we, what we're saying or what the scripture is telling us is that you are now sacred space not you are now sacred space. This is what always was the case, that the people were the meeting place between heaven and earth. You and I together in our communities, in our various different communities, listen, I don't care I don't care what calendar you keep or what shape you think the earth is or what your particular view on this or that is, on eschatology or, or any of that stuff. I don't care about that. The fact is that you and I together, Hashem says, God himself says that you and I together are his dwelling place. So, the next question is, what kind of responsibility does that entail? Does that include? Oh man. Then we have to really start understanding the purpose and the beauty and, and we can really start to then celebrate the, the, the day of atonement in Yom Kippur. Because for, for there to be, uh, for there to be God dwelling in us, we cannot be divided. We have to be together. And it doesn't mean we have to agree on everything, but it does mean that we have to see ourselves as, it's not me against you just because you cite the moon and I keep the Hillel calendar. It doesn't mean me against you just because you think the earth is pear-shaped and I think it's round, or because I think it's flat and you think it's shaped like a donut. It, it, all of those things, th- those, are, those are stupid and, and, and inconsequential arguments in the scope of us being the dwelling place of God. We can disagree over those things as long as we understand that I need you. I need you to be living before God and living for God at a thousand percent. And you need me to be doing the same thing, even though those walks may look different. Because we have a responsibility. It's not just that a blessing that we get to be the, the dwelling place of God. It is, a, it is the, the biggest blessing on, on earth. But it's also a huge responsibility. 
See, we're not saved just to be saved. We're not saved just to go to heaven. We're not saved just to, just to, just to go, whew, well, at least I got that part out of the way. Now I can enjoy the rest of my life knowing I have eternal security. No, like that's, that's so narrow. That's so small-minded. Yet we are, we are delivered and cleaned up through the blood of Messiah. We are cleaned through our continued uh, practice of the Torah and communion with Hashem uh, through Messiah. We are continually cleaned so that God can dwell in us. And this is what Yom Kippur is about every year. It's so not a salvation thing. It's so not a heaven or hell thing. It's about maintaining a holiness and cleanliness so that we can be filled with the presence of God, Shekinah of Hashem, right? So when we think about sacred space and us being, well, we're the place where heaven and earth meet. Man, I hope that's as heavy a thought for you as it is for me because I, I just can't, I cannot stop being in awe of that idea that we're the place that heaven and earth meet. And that, that is a humongous blessing. That is a humongous privilege. And yet it's also a massive responsibility, right? So when we, when we think about the Day of Atonement and when we think about Yom Kippur, we, we can be thankful that our sins have been wiped clean because they have been. They have been atoned for, right? They've been forgiven. The sins of this last year, the way we mishandled God's investment with us, whatever, has been the, the, way, that we, the way that we have interacted with others. Only if we make restoration and, and we, we go back and apologize sincerely and we make things right, then those things are all forgotten, right? And Rosh Hashanah, we do tashlich, which is uh, we cast away little pieces of bread or pebbles into water. And it, it, it reminds us of the passage in Micah where he'll cast our, our, our sins, right, uh, into the, the depths of the sea, the sea of forgetfulness, as some translations say. And so this time that we, we, we are wiped clean, but we are not wiped clean so that we can have an, uh, a clear conscience, this is not, God does not simply, we don't go through the Yom Kippur uh, service and repentance and prayer and confession just so our consciences can be clear and we can go, okay, whew, at least, you know, at least I don't have anything for God to be mad at me about. At least I don't have anything that I, I have to pay consequences over, right? Because that's really, I mean, for some of us, self-included, that's how we're wired. I do something good, God should bless me. I do something bad. God, there should be like a flat tire on my car or like my dishwasher goes out, right? Or something. That's how some of us think, which is not healthy and it's not exactly correct, but it's just the way some of us think. And, and so Yom Kippur should also help us with that, this idea that no, 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 I, you are forgiven and your, your book is wiped, your slate is wiped clean, your, 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 uh, your ledger, right, is balanced. But what's the purpose of it? The purpose is that so you can continue and more fully house the, the character and the personality and the presence of Hashem. Because you are the place where heaven and earth meet. And I, you know whatever your eschatology is, for those that are more escapist and think, well, like I'm just biding my time until we get, you know, we get whisked out of here, uh, or like the kids would say, yoinked out of here. Until we get yoinked out of here, I'm just biding my time. Then this really, this discussion, this talk really probably doesn't land for you as much. 
But if you if you are more of a person who thinks, as I am personally, that like, this heaven is coming to earth, and this earth needs renewal, this earth needs needs recreation, this earth needs tikkun olam, repair, this earth needs needs redemption and sanctification, then then holy smokes, Yeshua came and showed us, and then he left and sent Ruach HaKodesh so, to empower us so that we could do that work in his absence until he returns. And when he returns, what will he find? Will he find people that have slept on the job? Or will he find people that were so scared of his returning? Are you thinking of a parable that Yeshua told? People that were so scared of his returning, knowing that he's holy and that he's just, and so we just held on to what we had waiting for, waiting for the end? Or will he, he, he come back finding people that were living at a thousand percent realizing that we had work to do and the work was almost insurmountable. It was so big, yet we were entrusted with a job and we were entrusted with a vocation. We were entrusted with a function and we were entrusted with a, perp- with a purpose when we received Yeshua and received Ruach HaKodesh. And, and it is our job to do that. And, but, but in order to do that, we have to keep our temple, we have to keep the temple clean. We have to keep the house clean in my opinion, this is Yeshua's message. This is the New Testament message. This is Paul's message. This is the book of Hebrews that, that Yeshua made us clean. But we have to live life and we don't stay clean. And so Yom Kippur is this opportunity every year for us to take inventory. It's, that's why it starts at, at Elul 1, 40 days before Yom Kippur. And this, this season where the king is in the field and, and we have access and we can work out all these things. It's 40 days of preparation so that when Yom Kippur comes, we can stand. Listen, God doesn't want to pass a negative judgment. That's not the, the point of Yom Kippur is, is not a, a cosmic game of, of uncle where he's trying to hurt us into doing right. He wants us to have been found faithful. He wants us to have been found working, been found loving, been found repairing and restoring and bringing sanctification to the world. So this, this Yom Kippur, even if Yom Kippur is passed again, I pray that these thoughts give you something to think about as we go into Sukkot, which is the manifestation of and the promise of God actually dwelling with us. And then on into the year as we circle back around and get ready for next Yom Kippur. I love you all very, very much. I pray that this sits in your spirit and I pray that the Father develops it for you and gives you a hunger to be his dwelling place. So, Hag Sukkot Sameach, until next week, Shalom, Shalom. Shalom.